Harry the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Mickey. And I'm Will. And J-Mac is with us and Sherry B as well. And mm-hmm. uh, we've got two guests scheduled uh, to join us to talk about a very important topic that, you know, we have to give the disclaimer. Um yeah. Probably will not be suitable for young listeners. Yeah. So uh, we'll give that disclaimer in this first segment, and then we'll do it again in the second segment, and then again in the third yeah. uh, segment, just to make sure, because we want to um, we want to discuss our topic today um, as carefully as we can, but even with great care, there still will be a discussion that's not suitable for young mm-hmm. young listeners. So I want to put that disclaimer in place, and. Um, just make sure that our parents who know that your kids may listen from time to time, um, depending on where you are and your discussions with them about certain things. Right. You know, just be careful uh, because today we are going to talk about sex slavery. We are mm. going to talk about human trafficking. And uh, Hannah Harrison is going to be with us in the second segment. She writes for the AFA journal. And um, it seems like um, this is something that really the Lord has uh caused it to kind of rest on her heart Mm -hmm. and um, she's kind of taken this on as, as a cause. She writes about this a lot. She's very active about this on social media. And, um, and I think it's right. You know, I I think we make a huge mistake in not recognizing how the Lord equips the body to function. You know, there are some people that this, you will have a burden in this particular area. And it is not that you say, well, if no one else has this burden, the way that I have this burden, they are wrong. But it's that the Lord has given you that burden that you would alarm and that you would awaken and stir the body of Christ to mm-hmm. action. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's doing that. And so anyway, so Hannah will be with us in the second segment and the third segment we're going to have with us again. And Reed, we've talked to Anne before about uh, human trafficking, um, sex trafficking. And man, I just cannot erase from my mind, it was like a bombshell drop when she talked about the sting operation done in the area where we live. Right. <laughs> and what was uncovered as a result of that. And I mean, it, it, you know, listen. Yeah. If if there if there is an example of, you know, right in your own backyard. Yeah. And you don't even know how severe it is. That yeah. was an example like that was that was a very eye opening. Very eye opening. Example. And, for and, us. And the thing is, you know, sometimes we can tend to think not in my town or exactly. my town is too small yep. or, you know, That's we right. don't do that here. Mm-hmm. But, man, you'll be amazed at, at what goes on. And I know we're going to talk about this, but something, you know, that I've been confronted with, you know, as it pertains to things like this is the pervasiveness of pornography. Absolutely. That fuels this stuff. Yes. You know, and it's yes. a serious issue. And it's one. It seems like. You know, I remember you made a comment, you know, that talk and about pornography is not a 1990s 
you know, no. talk like we we don't need to deal with that anymore. But it's very much today. <laughs> we have we have treated the conversation about pornography and pornography addiction like stonewashed jeans. <laughs> Like, right. We right. we have treated that like um, purity rings mm-hmm. and, you know, virtue flowers or, you know, you know, like we've we've the things that we said, well, we once talked about that. We addressed those things in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We had conferences around that. We did retreats. Right. We pressed that that, you know, men would be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there was no talk of women mm-hmm. um, who were consuming pornography. That has changed. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um when we talk to Ann, mm-hmm. because she's got some numbers that will just be startling. Yeah. Um, but that is not, if anything, and here's the thing that's so crazy when you think about the fact that we've wanted to put pornography in the 1990s outreach category. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've want, wanted to sort of relegate it to like this time where that was a thing as mm-hmm. if now it's not a thing, you know, maybe that was just sort of a cause undertaken by a stuffy old church. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And now we have progressed to understand that, you know, not everything is, you know, grabbing on your pearls and just, Oh, I can't believe, but no, what we have always been talking about, if in fact, that's what we were talking about in the Mm -hmm. nineties is we were talking about God's standard. Yeah. This, this is why, you know, like, uh, Harris, the guy, Oh, I forget his first name. uh, Joshua. Joshua Harris. Mm-hmm. This is why his I kiss dating goodbye and his whole rejection of that, which then you ultimately see where that went. But his whole rejection with that uh, or of that was sort of like it was really lost on me. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. As if what you said when you anchored it in the word of God and what God says about purity. What are you talking about? It's it's to me similar to, you know, I overshot scripture by a mile. What What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, man. If you just say what the word says, right. then you can't overshoot it. Right. Like all you're, you're just it saying what, what the word is. says. Yeah. And so the same thing is true about pornography, pornography consumption, pornography addiction today. Not only do we have men in the church who are addicted to pornography, but we also have an increasing number of women who are addicted to pornography and will not talk about it will not confess it, will not receive wholeness and healing and all of mm-hmm. the things that are available mm-hmm. to all of us when we stumble, yeah. right? Um, but not only not only do we have this, but we have kind of pulled back on having the conversation mm-hmm. about these things. And yeah. so this has been, you know, this is one of those things where we cannot talk about this enough because the addiction and the consumption of pornography uh, leads to and fuels Sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. It creates victims. And, and I'll say this, you know, even for the American Family Association, one of the first fights, you know, Brother Don was dealing with was pornography, you know, but yes. it was in the stores. It was the yes. magazines and things yes. like that. And he talk, talked about a lot of things that were coming down the pike, you know, in a prophetic way that mm-hmm. things were, he saw where things were going. And it's like, man, you know, when we look now, you know, even the incident that happened uh, in Atlanta, you know, this guy oh, had man. that that was stuff driving, you know, him <laughs> to that led him to to murder, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I think we have to talk about this within the church because now many in the body of Christ in the church who are dealing with these issues for years and years and years and because it's a, it's a type of sin, you know, where it really really thrives in darkness, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, a lot of people just go under the radar like I'm all good. We put on this face. But, man, there's people who are dying on the inside uh, because of this. And we need to be able to talk about this. You know, here's something else I don't think that we have really considered that this um, this younger generation that we often talk about. And unfortunately, in so many so many of the categories in which we're discuss discussing the younger generation, it's sort of negative and and, you know, it's it's not all bad. But, man, it's it's more difficult now mm -hmm. than it was, you know, a few years ago, yeah. maybe a decade ago, yeah. um, to protect your kids. <laughs> and so if you think about this generation that we are talking about, they have the greatest access of mm -hmm. any generation to whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And and listen, not only whatever they want, but whatever anyone else wants them to want. Yeah. They have access to all of that. Right. And you couple that with the fact that what what we know is that pornography is not a victimless um, pastime, right. right? It is not just something you are doing. We, what we know for sure is that this is fueling demand for slaves. Wow. This is fueling demand. Just so you, so you, you would, you know, um, look, I know some people, <laughs> some people might, not to come, not to come to rest this on just technological advances, mm -hmm. but um, you know, the cotton gin, to slaves in the South might be what pornography is to sex slaves now wow. around the world. Do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? So now you, cause you're creating, mm. you're creating um, a greater demand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And cause you, you can, you know, and so now you've got people who are trying to meet all of the, the needs they feel they have because <laughs> of what they're consuming. Wow. We have to talk about this. Yeah. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about this um, as it ails the church. Right. And listen, right. you know, there are um, there are some things that we can discuss. And if a person is struggling with that, um, it's a little bit easier for them to admit it, to confess it. You know, I'm going to use this as an example, and it almost seems kind of absurd, but you'll get what I mean when I say this. Mm -hmm. So like you're, you're sitting around in a group, you know, it's a small group study. And, and, and they say, we need to confess our sins, you know, one to another. And, and, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier to, you know, confess. I confess that I'm a perfectionist. <clears throat> <laughs> I confess that, you know, I'm always putting pressure on my family to get it right and to, to do, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's yeah. like, and look, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from whatever the Lord might be doing in a person's heart right, when they, right. you know, are a perfectionist. But the person who drops the bombshell who says, I'm addicted to pornography, I can't stop watching it. Mm. That's when the air leaves the room. Yeah. That's, guys, but listen, this is what must happen. If you are a woman and you are addicted to pornography and they exist, we have made this a male issue. Women are addicted to pornography. They are addicted to storylines that give way to pornography. They are addicted to novels. Fifty Shades of Grey wasn't popular <laughs> just because men were flocking to see it. Mm -hmm. That's true. And all of the various, you know, parts to it. <laughs> when we did the morning show, I don't know if you yeah, remember this. I remember. And I came down really hard on this. This, I mean, it just seemed to me I didn't, I wasn't familiar with this, you know, as the book or whatever. I just, so it popped on my radar when it became a movie. And people were talking about it openly that mm -hmm. they couldn't wait to see it. So, of course, I was outside. I had to go in on this. Like, what? <laughs> why, are we, why are Christian women 
saying they can't wait to see this. You remember we had someone call in yeah. and say that I didn't know what I was talking about because I hadn't read the books. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a little high pitched there. Just, just a, <laughs> I don't listen. I don't need to taste methamphetamines. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? Like, right. so you're going to tell me I can't talk about that? I can't. Like, listen, we have normalized in the church. We have normalized sexual sin mm-hmm. because the times they have a changed <laughs> and we think that we can change the word too. Mm. And no, we cannot. The word of God is fixed. Amen. So for, for women who are struggling with this, because again, we, we talk about, you know, sex trafficking. When we talk about sex slavery and instantly what you start thinking about are the men who have a problem with their sexual desires and can't keep it in check. It is not limited to men. There are women who have struggles with this. And in some cases you cannot even rightly define it as a struggle because you're not resisting. Mm. You know, a lot of people will say things like they use the word struggle, but that's improperly used because if you are not resisting, that's not a struggle. Right. You're just giving in. You're just you're just perfectly happy to be living in the state that you're in. So what must we do? We must mourn over the sin in our life that has entangled us. And so for women, I'm saying this very directly. If you are addicted to pornography, if what you desire to read and consume on a regular basis has taken you hostage. You must confess it. You must find a sister that you can trust who loves Jesus and loves you enough to not tell you, oh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You need the sister who you will give access to your life that she might be able to say to you, what have you watched this week? What have you read this week? Look, it is, I can't tell you how many times I have um, not only been upset. But there have been things that I can't even send Will the Great some links. There are some (laughs) stories I'd like to send you, but I look in the sidebar Mm. and I see, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I see what came up on my device and I'm like, ah, well, I'll just tell them about it. (laughs) You know, because look, man, we have to consider one another. The enemy is playing for keeps. That's right. He is playing for keeps. And I told Will the Great, we were talking about this the other day. And I said, you know, there was a time when the enemy was just kind of sniper firing at Christians. Mm -hmm. Bing, one by one, bing. But the time is drawing near for the appearing of the Lord Jesus. So you know what? It's spraying. It's Mm. spraying power that's happening right now. It's It's like as many people as possible. We have to be on guard. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio again. Um, just want to give you a disclaimer really quickly before we introduce ourselves and our guest. Um, this program is not going to be suitable for younger listeners. So Mm -hmm. if you are listening with a kid or if you have a younger person who normally is allowed to listen um, alone, then this is probably not going to be the program for that. So just want to give that disclaimer. I'll do it again 
in the third segment. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was Trip Lee with War. All right. Let's get right on into our topic of conversation. Hannah Harrison joins us today. She writes for the AFA Journal. And um, and we'll find out today. I don't know when this became sort of like, um, you know, I don't know, her call to arms. But mm-hmm. it seems that the Lord has really allowed um, sex trafficking and sex slavery to come to rest upon her heart. And um, she's taken up the charge that is making sure that we are not silent and ignoring this. And so anyway, she writes about this on on a pretty regular basis and is speaking out Mm -hmm. even on her social media pages. So Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, this is a big deal. And, you know, I was, you know, I, I am willing to admit um, what I don't know Mm -hmm. um, because I don't want to stay that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want right. to just be like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, of course. You know, but there is an element to this discussion that I think often gets overlooked in the church because in some ways we have historically thought of um, the sex industry as always having two willing participants. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we have thought of prostitution, mm-hmm. not so much sex slavery. Right. How do we make this shift in our minds so that we understand that we are talking about victims here? And I think that, um, you know, y'all have kind of talked about the church and how the church needs to handle it. And I think that's a good place to start because I don't think, at least when I was growing up, I've grown up in, you know, Northeast Mississippi my whole life. And I was kind of like what you were talking about earlier about the whole prostitution. You know, you kind of think that these women are in it because they want to be. And I honestly had a moment with the Lord where he was like, Hannah, uh, I love them just as much as I love you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to see these women as victims, but as God's creation yeah. and know that they're not their sin, just like we're not, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, but the church has got to make it aware, you know, let's look, for, let's talk about the warning signs. Let's talk about pornography and sexual addictions and how that happens within the church as well. And, and, you know, just all of these different aspects of trafficking that I don't think is kind of brought up in yeah. most religious settings. You, um, last year you wrote an article and by the way, for all of our listeners, we will put the links to the articles that we discuss on the show today. We will put this in the show notes. So if you go to AFR.net and you download this particular podcast, there will be links to all of the the stories, the articles that we're going to talk about and one organization. So Mm. make sure that you can go check that out later. Um, But last year you wrote an article where, I mean, man, it was just such a vivid comparison that you made between sex slavery and slavery in the United States and the mm-hmm. Southern United States. Yes. And um, you said slavery didn't end with the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, do we need that kind of jolt when we think about sexual slavery. Yes, ma'am. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Go ahead and unpack that for us a little bit, Hannah. Okay. So um, I, when I wrote that, um, it was kind of at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that was going on. And um, a lot of people don't realize that when they think trafficking and at the, at the beginning, I thought it was maybe more adult women. Um, you know, kind of you see that whole sex industry, glitz, glam sort of thing that they talk about in media nowadays. 
and it's not. Um, you know, the average age that a girl goes into the trafficking realm is about 14. Um, a lot of the times it's getting younger um, just mm-hmm. with a demand. Um, you know, they're not satisfied. They want younger. Um, but this business, this um, industry, you know, it's uh, they estimate it's about $150, $150 billion, excuse me, oh my goodness. industry. Wow. And so when I was kind of checking out that whole, um, that particular article, I ran across a study um, from the Urban Institute, and it's a couple years old, but um, I don't imagine it's gotten any worse. Um, but they say um, that in different larger cities, in eight different cities, um, some of our big ones, um, that pimps, um, that they, I'm sorry, their revenue could range from $39.9 million to $290 million, um, and that pimps can earn an average of $32,833 a week. A week. A week. A in week. $32,833 $33 a week in big cities can be earned by someone who is selling a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. a girl mm-hmm. or a boy. Yes. Um, because that's another thing that we don't talk about that is a component of this. Right. Um, but selling these people made in the image of God, selling mm-hmm. their bodies wow. can earn an individual upwards of $32,000 per week Mm. in some big cities. Right. And I think a lot of people Mm. may not realize, you know, you think of drug dealers and they, you know, they make quite a bit too as well, but they only sell, they can only sell a drug one time. Uh, A girl, a body is sold multiple times Mm. a night, a day. day. Yeah. So, you know. Wow. Now talk about how we don't, when we learn about missing children, Mm-hmm. We sometimes think about um, kids running away. Right. Um, you know, here's a troubled kid who's running away. Mm-hmm. But more often than that being the case, what we what we should be thinking about is the very real possibility, even the likelihood that a kid has been groomed right. and has gone off to um, be captured, mm-hmm. but be, not because she or he expects that they are going into captivity right but because they think they are going to someone who has told them that they love them and that they care for them and that Mm -hmm. they will treat them better than their family will right and they use you know a lot of different ways to do that a lot of the time it's online social media it is you know maybe they have a friend that's not really a friend that's working with someone else or like you were talking about you know the love and the boyfriend kind of scenarios where they just trick them into thinking oh yeah your parents you know you're upset you've got stuff going on at home well come to me I'll I'll love you I'll take care of you Mm. and they're just fooled and they're manipulated Mm. into this lifestyle you know I have a question just about the church Mm -hmm. And how this issue seems to be so hidden. Now, now I know more is coming out and and more people are being more aware Mm -hmm. of this. But how is this type of issue so on the back burner, in your opinion? Mm. I have always wondered (laughs) that, to tell you the truth. Because I never heard about it growing mm-hmm. up yeah. And, yeah. and when I was about a senior in high school was really like the end it movement the red x's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of what you know brought my brought me a brought my attention to it yeah um but I I never heard it talked about in church now I have here in the past probably year or two yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe a mention here or there mm-hmm. but other than that 
Man, it's you amazing. Know? It's that crazy. It's such a crucial issue, and it seems so hidden, you know, and, and, and now just being brought to light, really, you mm-hmm. know? I wonder if part of the difficulty, guys, and, and you guys can both tell me what you think about this, but I wonder if part of the difficulty is in the topic and the nature of mm-hmm. what has to be mm-hmm. discussed to yeah. bring it to people's minds. I think it's... Yeah. You know, because, you know, you, you would imagine right. that in a church service that you have a mixed audience. And so it's, I mean, it's here's not an my easy question. topic to bring up. Not an easy topic. Even like us discussing it now, you've got yeah. to give all these right. disclaimers because you don't want to harm people's children in the process of trying to help children. Right. Right. So, so I guess my question is, because that's one of the things that you said in your article, you said, mm-hmm. we have to wake up church. Mm-hmm. We have to wake up. Mm-hmm. So, so I wrote down, I wrote down that question. And then I wrote next to it, how, what, what does that, what does that look like? What does mm. an awakened church look like as it pertains to sex slavery, Hannah? And, you know, I kind of think that even if churches are to do, cause a lot of parents are unaware, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could do specific conferences, you could do a class on a Wednesday night, kind of, you know, talking to parents about these dangers that are happening online. And then I think yes. the more people you have aware you know, it's going to be a ripple effect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's protecting their own family, whether that's telling some of their coworkers at work, hey, you know, I've heard about human trafficking. And and it's just it keeps going and it keeps going until hopefully you see a decrease in these type of issues. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. there you, you also wrote another article uh, where children play predators mm-hmm. prey. Yes. And yeah. um, I, I think that that is something that parents must be pressed to understand Mm -hmm. that there aren't any 100% safe spaces for our children online. Mm -hmm. That when, when our kids have access to devices, when our kids, or let me say this, when other people have access to our kids through devices, they, they are at risk. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, And I um, wrote that article um, with Shared Hope International, um, Mm -hmm. and they have a website. They have a lot of information um, if you're interested. Um, But one of my favorite quotes in that article was she says, you know, when you go to bed at night, you lock the doors and you think your kids are safe. Well, but when they have a device, when they have a mm. smartphone in their in their room, wherever they are, they're not because they're, you know, they have access to the entire world, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so difficult because you do want kids do want to have that little bit of freedom. They do want to hang out with their friends. They do want to have, you know, communication on Instagram or whatever. But it's so important that parents keep checking that they keep talking to them. Yep. They I heard it. Something I totally agree with is. A kid should not have a friend, a follower, whatever, that the parent does not know. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times they do make these false accounts and then somebody will friend them and then this person will say, oh, well, they have a mutual friend. Let me, I'll just follow them. I like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this big chaotic mess where we're letting predators into our homes yeah. and mm-hmm. into our children's lives and yeah. letting them fool them. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Okay. Hannah, let me ask you this question and, mm-hmm. and listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally fine that me asking you this question is going to say something about me being from, you know, the other generation. Okay. Like I, <laughs> I understand. I sometimes try to hide my Get generation, but I'm old. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to ask you this question, and this is seriously a genuine question. So I've got our oldest is 14, mm-hmm. okay, and um, 
she does not have any social media pages right. or anything like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, help me know why. And mm-hmm. I sincerely mean this. Help me know why our kids need to have social media pages. Like, you know, our, our younger girls, um, is there something that I don't understand about the necessity of like Instagram and Snapchat <laughs> and Facebook even that that would keep me from understanding that they have to have this? Like, what is it that I don't get? Honestly, I, I agree with you. No social media is a fabulous policy to have. Um, <laughs> Snapchat, Just, I, don't know. I deleted my Snapchat probably four years ago because it's... Well, it was created for sexting. That's the whole point that the app was created. Mm. Wow. And, wait, and wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Let's know just that. not drive Whoops. by that exit, Hannah. Okay. Hold wow. up a second. Yeah, I just Let's, didn't know that. No, wow. I did not know that yeah. either. Yes, wow. Correct. Okay. So Snapchat <laughs> wow. was created for sexting. So correct. Okay, because what I understand about it is that you are able to take pictures and then those pictures Disappear. can be Mm-hmm. So like it's like I think you can set the timer. They've probably changed it a lot in the last couple of years, but it's got ten seconds, three seconds, whatever. But people can always screenshot that, mm-hmm. and you know go from there. But because it disappears, that's why the app, what the app was intended for, and then it became yeah. a big social media. And it's it's I'm just not for it. But <laughs> well, yes. you know that makes sense. Now <laughs> the name of it makes sense. No, I mean I understand it better. Yeah. Like the uh-huh. name of it, Snapchat. Right. I mean, so communication mm-hmm. via snaps. Right. Correct. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm 42, and I'm Bingo. proud of that, okay? Uh. <laughs> right. Good job. You did a great job there. <laughs> wow, I just put it together, Hannah. I'm telling you for real, in real time, right here on the air, I just put it together. I never understood that or knew that. Um, okay, yeah. No, they don't need that. No, right. no, no, no. I would say no. <laughs> I tell everybody no, <laughs> especially with kids. Um, okay, so, but when... but. So when our kids have social media accounts, mm-hmm. it is not only their friends who have access to them, but groomers have access right. to them is the point that we're making. Right. Yes. And a lot of social media apps, I mean, even Instagram or Facebook, you know, you can have it on private. So just your friends. But it's super easy to take that off, mm. um, you know, which is another reason. Mm. If you do have it, I would encourage parents to be involved watching the conversations. Um, but... To your original question, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know a good reason why okay. younger children should have. Um, I get the appeal because that's what everybody does now. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. has an Instagram. Everybody has a Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I really only keep it because my articles <laughs> to yeah, tell you the work. truth. That's what I tell it, the kids all the time. I'm it's like, for work. That's all <laughs> the only reason that I need it, and it's it gets overwhelming too. Mm-hmm. I, and I just don't. I think there's a lot of different reasons. You know, just the pressure um, that social media puts the appearance, the all of those things. Um, but the groomers, they watch out for those kind of more vulnerable people as well. Mm-hmm. Man, you know it's Man. it's interesting, and I've I've told the kids this, um, but. Look, when you open yourself up and, and give the world that much access to you, um, it can change you in ways that you don't even realize. Absolutely. You know? And mm-hmm. I mean, not only is it dangerous, but it alters our kids. We are raising kids that we do not even recognize. We don't identify with them because they are being changed by a culture that we can't even perceive. 
Anyway, Hannah, we've run out of time. Um, I'm going to have to let you go because on the other side of this, we've got Ann Reed who's going to join mm-hmm. us. Thank Absolutely. you so much Thank you. for the work that you're y'all, doing. We y'all appreciate have a great day. You. Thank you. All right, you too. All right, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We will grab the break. On the other side of this break, we'll come back with Ann Reed and continue our conversation about sex slavery and what the church needs to do and what the church needs to do better. Stay right there. Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, again, today's topic, and we will continue to have this conversation periodically um, because we have to. Like yeah. We have to. But today's topic is not suitable for younger listeners. So I just want to caution you if you're picking up with us in this segment um, and you maybe have a little one that you normally listen with, then maybe not mm-hmm. listen with them today. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Disclaimer firmly in place here. Uh, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's renewed by Cherie Jones Moffitt. And Ann Reed is with us and writes for the AFA Journal and also chairs the organization, the ministry Transformation Garden. And we're going to talk about that today as we continue the, the discussion on sex slavery, um, mm-hmm. human trafficking. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things, and Ann, I, I alluded to this in the first segment. Uh, Will and I were talking about it. When I think the last time we had you on and we were talking about um, human trafficking, sex mm-hmm. slavery, and you talked about the sting operation that was done in our area. Yes. <laughs> yeah. By the way, thank you for having me on. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anne. Anne, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I get down. It's like, we got to get right into it, Anne. I'm sorry. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. I feel like this is what it's like when you feel like you're just talking to a friend. Like, you're just like, girl. When you told us about that, um, uh, but seriously, it. seriously though, when you brought that story to air, uh, one, it was the first I'd heard of it, but two, mm. it was one of those shocking moments that really kind of painted the picture that so many Christians, myself mm. included, we always tend to think that these kind of discussions, you know, the seedy underworld of like human trafficking and sex slavery, that it's happening in that city Somewhere over else. there. Yeah, it's it's not happening where I live, and and I don't really need to worry or think about that. Um, but it's happening all around us, isn't it, Anne? It is, uh, and I think sometimes we we going along with what you're saying there is we start out thinking it's in other countries Mm -hmm. and then we keep getting closer you know then it's in our then it's in our country and then it's in our state and then it's in our city and in our backyard Mm -hmm. one of the things that you brought to light and I kind of want to double back to this and and maybe drill down just a little bit further because I read an article that really alarmed me last month Um, but one of the things that's really fueling the demand for um, sex slaves is the consumption of pornography. Yes. And we have given up talking about pornography addiction. Yes. Um, We don't discuss it as it pertains to men. We don't discuss it as it pertains to women. We don't discuss it as it pertains to pastors and people who are operating in ministries um, who are addicted or casual watchers of pornography. 
but we have to talk about it because it's it's not a victimless pastime, is it? Thank you, Mickey. I am grieved over this. I recently was working on a piece uh, looking for six local ministries. Uh, this was for another outlet uh, asked me to do a piece on six local ministries that are helping trafficking victims. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to only focus on the aftercare, but on the preventative pieces as well. Mm-hmm. And so I set out to find a ministry, a church that was really working hard on the demand side of things and looking at that issue of pornography um, in a very focused kind of way. And it was nearly impossible to find a local ministry, a church. They're out there. Somebody's listening right now and they say, that's us, that's us. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you that they are hard. You are hard pressed to find those. And why why is that? Do we think, and, and tell me what your insight is on this. Is it that we think pornography addiction and consumption or maybe I need to phrase that in a two-part question do you think that the church perceives pornography consumption as something that maybe is not as harmful as we we thought it was in the 90s well studies reveal that to be true that many in the church uh, do not see it as as harmful they see it as something that you know, you're you're not actually participating in an act necessarily. Wow. So studies uh, bear that out, uh, and I think that the reason that we're not really pressing that in the church is because it is so. And studies reveal this as well that it is so prevalent within the church. So it's something that's it's untouchable. You know, let's talk about its mm-hmm. prevalence. Let's let's drill down there. And I I know that your article was written last year um, that looked at the connection between porn and sex trafficking, but I would imagine that the numbers would be pretty close to where they were when you wrote this, but you say that the numbers are, you wrote that the numbers are staggering Mm -hmm. Um, among church going men, 68% view porn, 68% view porn on a regular basis. Staggering. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it, it's actually growing. I don't know if you've, you've mentioned this, but it's actually growing among women as well, which mm-hmm. is also um, heartbreaking uh, just to see that that growth occurring. So in your article, you said or you wrote that over 50 percent of pastors are also viewing consuming pornography. So that over, answers your question. That's why we're not dealing with this. Right. <laughs> Because you're not you're not going to throw a rock at your own glass like you're not. So then in order for us to deal with this and to have a real conversation and like repentance Mm. must start in the pulpit. Right. (laughs) Right. It's you know, it's just heartbreaking to see this continuing on. And I I actually asked the question, you know, I think we all uh, are praying for revival and I have to question how much this issue that we're talking about is keeping us from stepping into that wow. realm of revival mm. because of the lack of repentance in wow. this area. Wow. Like, Go I was, ahead, Will. I no, thought you no, were going to say well, something. Well, I would say as far as leaders and pastors are concerned, I know that I've talked to uh, a few pastors who have dealt with this issue are mm-hmm. dealing with this issue. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing is they feel like, who can I talk to? Because mm-hmm. I'm a 
I'm a pastor. Like, who do I go to? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where pastors need to find common ground and say, hey, you know, we we hold the same office. If you feel like, yes, you can't go to a, a person that's in your church, but mm-hmm. man, there have to be some type of accountability mm-hmm. because this is a huge issue and it fuels all the other things that we're talking about. It does. I mean, if you have, for instance, uh, if you have a church that is dealing with the issue of trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, bringing awareness, uh, regardless, and in some ways bringing awareness to this issue, but you're not dealing with the core issue, mm. which is the lust issue, the addiction yeah. to pornography, yes. then then you're missing it. Mm. How can you do that? And you're still and you're missing the core right. issue that is leading to that is causing fueling that demand. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't, I don't want this to be too strong a statement. So, (laughs) Anne, you just reel me back in if I go out too far on this limb here. But I mean, I think it is right for there to be a certain um, sense of responsibility. If you are consuming pornography, if you are enjoying this, then there has to be a certain amount of responsibility that you take for the young women who are taken hostage to fulfill the demands that this creates. You know, we were having a conversation in our department about this a week or so ago, and we were talking about, um, I I think what what happens with men sometimes is, and women as well, is that, well, this is just a victimless crime. I'm just viewing this, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not paying for it. Mm -hmm. It's free, right? The majority of the time it is. And so, you know, we were asking some of those questions. Obviously, um, we're not viewers of pornography, so we don't Mm -hmm. know who the advertisers are. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we were kind of playing around with some ideas, you know, who's advertising on these sites. But by viewing it, you, whether you are pulling out money out of your pocket, using your card to view it at that time, you are you're fueling that demand and you are supporting it by watching it i mean we all know that nothing is free Mm -hmm. that's right Mm -hmm. that's right right you are a part of the traffic to the website right so you are the numbers that they boast for advertisers exactly so it you're in the number like you're you are a part of i mean i mean look driving it you're driving it Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't want to be I, I don't want to burden people, but Anne, we are in trouble because we have normalized sin in the mm-hmm. church and nobody's mourning over it. And when uh, I say nobody, I don't mean not anyone. Right. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I mean, not to the de- not de- enough degree or the extent yeah. that would cause the changes that we need to see. I, I want to ask you about this and then I want to talk about Transformation Garden. Mm-hmm. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they never watch porn only 13 percent only 13 percent of self-identified christian women say they never watch porn like we're not talking about the cooking network you understand (laughs) like i don't i don't understand and and i want to i want to i'm going to read that again because i want people to think about this only 13 percent of christian women say they never watch porn. Which leaves you 87% who do. When you hear those numbers, it's amazing to hear because you don't realize the numbers are so big and so Mm -hmm. significant. Okay. I was going to say, but, you know, given the culture and, and how much this stuff is pushed, 
and it, it's all around, mm-hmm. you can say like, man, I, I can see how it's so prevalent. But man, in the church, we have to stand upon the word of God mm-hmm. and, and the standard of, of, of the Bible and the word of God, you know, to fight against this. Yes. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of abortion. I think sometimes, you know, pastors do not want to touch on the issue of abortion yeah. because we know we have a large bulk of, of women and, and individuals who have participated in abortion sitting in these pews. So we don't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I think some of it may kind of come from that perspective. Yeah. But that's why you have to address the sin and you have to provide mm-hmm. resources to to help people who are suffering from this. Let's call it what it is. It's sin and it is it's a growing addiction just like a drug addiction yeah yeah this this grieves my heart i I know we need to make a shift here because we're going to run out of time but this grieves my heart and and i I will say because we do not have um proper discipleship happening in churches some people are just pleased to have large numbers of people coming on a sunday morning Mm -hmm. um and and they would say that that's a healthy church oh yeah our church is healthy it's huge it's i mean it's just growing but it's not growing in depth and you don't have people looking one another face to face in the eye and saying, how are your thoughts? You Mm. know what I mean? What what is it that you're meditating on? What are you lusting in your mind? Women need to be asking women this. Are you lusting in your mind? Are you reading material that causes desires that cannot righteously be fulfilled in you? These are tough questions, but they have to be asked. And I I cannot ignore the point that you made, Anne. We are crying out for revival, asking the Lord to do something in our nation, Mm -hmm. but we won't even check what's going on in our own homes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this this grieves my heart. And so imagine what it does to the holy and righteous God that we say we serve. Amen. Uh, One of my good friends said something to me a, a week or so ago that I just loved. She told me, she said, you have a hunting license in my life. Wow. Mm. And I had to kind of stop, never heard that before, wow. and had to think about that. And I was like, that's what we all need to be doing. Wow. We need to be telling those who we love and trust, believers who we know are, are solid on the word of God, we need to give people permission to have a hunting license in our lives. Wow. wow. This is so good. I just wrote it down. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just wrote it down. That is so good. You have a hunting mm. license in my life. I don't want to run out of time. And please tell us because there's, there is good that the Lord is doing through the church as he has always done. Um, Tell us about Transformation Garden. Okay, so Transformation Garden is a facility that is a residence for up to 20 women who have experienced sexual exploitation. So it is a, a place of healing, uh, restorative care, all based on the principles of God's word. So we have been in the process. This is a, a ministry of our local church here, and we have been in the process of, of working on this for uh, about two to three years. And so we are about finished with the building, uh, have just been working behind the scenes, uh, doing a lot of planning. Um, it has been very much a walk of faith, just putting um, one step in front of the other and having some really scary moments, <laughs> many scary moments. And it's just totally uh, uh, trusting God. And as we've done that, as we've stepped uh, forward in, in trusting God, uh, he has brought uh, a couple of, of national ministries that have come mm. alongside of us, Eight Days of Hope, uh, brought in 50 five uh, skilled construction workers to actually finish out uh, the, the 
physical structure. Wow. Uh, another really great ministry called the Samaritan Women Institute for Shelter Care uh, has come alongside us and is, and is guiding us through a two-year mentorship program uh, to help us develop uh, best practices. So it's been very much a faith walk and, and, and we're just really blessed to, to be a part of it and to offer a healing place for these women who have been tr- severely traumatized. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to give the website for our listeners to be able to go and check that out. TransformationGarden.net. TransformationGarden.net. And thank you so much. Please come back again. I just, I, I don't feel like we're done with this conversation. We have to do this again. Um, okay. <laughs> Man, Will, this grieves me. It's just a waste of time. Yeah, we'll just leave off the introduction. <laughs> just get right into it. All right. Um, we're out of time. Um, until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>